there is a word from the Lord in the book of Romans, chapter 13, starting at verse 11 through 14. Grateful to God for what he's doing for our church. They have it on the screen. We're going to start reading in the New King James Version some. If you have it, say amen. If you don't have it, it's on the screens, and you can watch online. If you're online and one of our online visitors, they'll put, uh, they'll put it on the screens for you, but we so love to have you in the building. It's just different in the building, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It's good when all God's children get together. And what does it say? And do this, knowing the time, that now it is high time to wake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry, drunkenness, not in lewdness or lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. I want to give you this scripture one last time. I want to read it to you, and I want you to hear it. And do this knowing the time, that now it is high time to wake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than we first believed. I want to talk to you this morning from this topic and other related topics. Just a minute. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, just a minute. <laughs> you may be seated in the presence of God. I have only just a minute. One with 60 seconds in it. Forced upon me. Can't refuse it. Didn't seek it. Didn't choose it. But it's up to me to use it. I must suffer if I lose it. Give account if I abuse it. Just a tiny little minute, but eternity is in it. I want you to read that with me. That's a popular poem. Let us read that together and read it to yourself. Y'all ready? I have only just a minute. One with 60 seconds in it. Forced upon me, can't refuse it. Didn't seek it, didn't choose it. But it's up to me to use it. I must suffer if I lose it. Count if I abuse it. Just a tiny little minute. But eternity is in it. Brothers and sisters, Paul is speaking to us this morning. He's been going down through the annals of God's word. And he spent a lot of time in the book of Romans telling us how we should believe. But now Paul has turned the tables and started telling us how it is that we should behave, what attitudes that we should have towards God and what attitudes we should have towards Christ. He's, he started in chapter 12, verse 1, and he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, I'm, I beg you by the mercies of God that you present your body a living what? Sacrifice. sacrifice. Holy and what? Acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable servant. That, that's your, somebody look at, look at your neighbor and say, that's just your job. 
<laughs> Somebody wanted a cookie because they showed up to church this morning. That's just your job. <laughs> Sometimes we want cookies when we do things in the church and affirmation is good, but that's your reasonable service. That's your spiritual act of worship. It's just your job to come to church. It's just your job to encourage people. It's just your job to encourage people and lead them to Christ. Why? Because that's who you are. And he says, I want you this way. I want you to do that, but this is what I want you to remember. Be not conformed or molded into the patterns of this world, but I want you to change. I want you to be able to change. I, 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 wouldn't, I, I wouldn't come. I, I remember when I was young, they used to have this old saying that said, I wouldn't have a religion that I couldn't feel sometimes. I wouldn't have have a, a belief in God that every now and then my heartstrings didn't tug and I couldn't feel the presence of God, just something that was in my head but wasn't completely in my heart. And, and Paul is telling us that he wants us to present our bodies. Now that you know what you believe, now it's time to grow up and behave. And, and he's saying this, I want you to present your bodies holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And since you are Christians, I need you to set an example for Christ. I need you to realize that your mission field is wherever you are. If you're at the grocery store, that's your current mission field. If you're at the barbershop, that's your current mission field. If you're at the, the, at the hairdresser, that's your current mission field. That you are supposed to let your light shine. You thought we were just singing that arbitrarily, but know that the purpose to it. Everywhere I go, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. The Bible says, for you are a light that should not be hid up under a bushel. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. God wants you to show your light. He says, I want you to have a good example nationally. I want people, when they see Christians, I want them not to see Christians on Facebook arguing about politics and arguing about all these other stuff and being obnoxious. But he said this in Romans chapter 13 and 1. He says, let every person be subject to the governing and the authorities, for there is no authority except for God. And those that exist have been instituted by God that you might not like the person in authority, but you have to honor the authority. Why? Because you do not want to kill your witness. You cannot be belittling somebody one day and then talking around and saying, hey, what you consider Jesus? He's saying you need to have a good corporate witness. You need to be able to fall under the auspices of authority. You need to have authority in your government and submit to it. You need to have authority in your church and eldership and where people will submit and that you'll submit to leadership. You need to have authority in your home. And I have set up an authority structure even in the home it says that God is the head of who Christ and that Christ is the head of the what man and then the man is the head of his what woman oh I got quiet why do we get quiet y'all know what it says and let, let's try it again let's try it again we got to get it all the way through we can't just preach the parts we like we got to preach the part that we know God is the head of who Christ and Christ is the head of what man and the man is the head of his what woman oh there you go we got to give yourselves a hand clap why is he doing that why is he putting that authority structure in place? Because we realized and we learned a few weeks ago that you cover what you care about. You have coverage for your cell phone. You have coverage for your health insurance. You have coverage for your car. And so God has covered us with an authority structure, uh, an authority structure to help us save ourselves from ourselves. He told us to be submissive to authority. But then he told us you will be in debt for the rest of your life. God is not advocating, and nor is Paul advocating for us to be in financial debt. He said that you're indebted this way. Owe no man nothing but to 
love him. And we talked about what really love was, didn't we? And we learned that love is more than just a puppy dog feeling, but love is actually an action. If you love somebody, you show it in the way you treat them. You show it in the way that you care for them. And if you really love somebody, you will share Christ with them because ultimately this world is not our home. This world is not our home and we have to spend eternity somewhere. And if we really truly believe that Jesus is the son of God, which I do, and that he's coming back to, to, for the living and the dead, which I do, that he was born of a virgin, which I do, that he suffered under Pontius Pilate and that he was bruised and battered and that he died for our sins and he is the propitiation for our sins. I believe all of that and I believe God is going to come back for us one day. And if you saw somebody standing in the middle of the street, in front of an 18-wheeler and you really thought you could save them, I doubt you send back and say, well, they'll figure it out on themselves. I don't want to be pushy. I don't want to be too opinionated and tell them, hey, do you know you're standing in front of an 18-wheeler? Uh, no, we wouldn't even have that much of a conversation with them. But if we really were concerned about them, even if we thought we were going to break their arm but save their life, we would grab them and jerk them as hard as we could because better for an arm to be broken than a life to be lost. And Jesus put it this way. He said, if your right eye offends you, pluck it out, for it's better to go in he into heaven without an eye than to go into hell whole. Sometimes we have to learn that the body of Christ, we have to stop worrying about offending people. I'm not telling you to go be offensive. We're about to start a sermon series soon called No Offense. But what I am telling you is that the gospel is offensive and sometimes we have to get past our timidity and realize that there is an 18-wheeler and it's called Gehenna, Jesus called it. It is called the lake of fire that is headed for people and it's Christians our job is to share the love of Jesus with them even if we risk being offensive to them even if we risk making them not speak to us anymore that doesn't mean you have to be obnoxious and offensive why do we share Jesus with such urgency because we realize that he's coming down the hill you remember that sermon he's coming down the hill and when he comes down the hill he's coming and all those who are not prepared will not be ready and our goal here at Encounter Church is the number one what reach the lost What's number two? The teeth are found and then the change the world at one life at a time. And we begin to say, oh, no man, anything but to love him. And as you love him, love does no wrong for a neighbor. So let us walk properly. Romans 13 and 13 says, let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies, not in sexual immorality and in sensuality, not in the quarreling or jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provisions for the flesh. Why do we need to do that? Why do we need to do that? I need to do that because Christ is on his way back. I don't know if you realize it or not, but whether or not Christ comes back in a thousand years or he comes back tomorrow, one day you have a limited lifespan and he's going to be coming back for you. So we can't say, I, I have tomorrow to get right. I have this day to get right. Because somebody woke up this morning and they thought that, that, that they would have another day. But they already woke up in the arms of Jesus. Amen. Why? Because I only have just a minute. One with 60 seconds in. And I, I must make sure that I maximize my moment. Everybody said maximize the moment. 
You've got to learn to maximize the moment. The world is not our home. The reason we get so comfortable in this place is because it's not our home. Have you ever had a visitor and they stay too long? <laughs> and you pull that old country and you say, well, you know, in the, in the South, well means it's time for you to go. <laughs> That's what it means. If, if they stay too long, you get up and you say, well, I reckon I'll holler at you a little bit later. That means you've outstayed stayed your welcome. But at some point in time, you're going to be walking or you're going to be around and you're going to hear the deaf angel say, well, it's time to go. And when it's time to go, how did you maximize your moments? God placed purpose in you. There are people that need to be saved, and he wants to use you to reach out and give salvation to those people. But what are you doing with the moments that you have? Well, Pastor, I don't know the Bible. Well, you've got a minute. You can read it. Pastor, I don't know how to pray. Well, we have an intercessory team. You can reach out, and they'll teach you how. Why? Because I must maximize my moments. I can't waste any time. I have to put on Christ. But many times we don't do that because we get comfortable in somebody else's house. See, the skin you live in, that's not your real home. For you are a spirit. The Bible says that God ruach in man. He breathed into man and man became a living soul. You are a spiritual being housed in a body. And this house is deteriorating day by day. If you don't believe it, some of you in here wearing glasses didn't always wear glasses. You didn't wake up taking blood pressure pills and, and metformin. Most people didn't. You didn't wake up with, and when you get up, that your the, the the popping in your bones is louder than your alarm clock. You didn't wake up like that. You didn't you didn't wake up having to get Lady Clairol and just for men. You didn't wake up having to look for hair pre- hair, hair treatments and things like that. You know what that is? That's God's subtle way to remind you that this world is not your home. Just as he allows the leaves to change colors and the change to let us know that we need to be preparing ourselves. We can't walk around in short pants anymore. Why? Because the season is about to change. And when I'm putting the leaves on the trees and they're turning yellow, I'm letting you know that you need to start taking off your short pants and your your crop tops. And you need to reach in the closet and you need to prepare for the next season that's coming. And you need to take out hoodies unless you're in Michigan and people wear hoodies in 100 degree weather. I don't see how they do that. You need to start taking out your pants and all these things. Why? You need to change what you're wearing because what I'm letting you see when you see the leaves on the ground is that the season is about to change and you need to prepare for what's ahead. If you're like me and you may have a gray hair or two in your head, what he's letting you know is, Willie, you can't stay here forever. You need to prepare for what's ahead, and you don't need to keep everything I've imparted in you in your head. Everything I'm learning about media, everything I've learned about, about production and media and things, I'm trying to impart it in those people in the back. You know why? Because I can't stay here forever. Everything I know about music, I'm trying to impart it to my children and other people. So when I'm gone, it remains. Why? Because I can't stay here forever. Every bit of wisdom that God has allowed me to have through my mistakes, everything I've learned about God in the Bible, I drive my kids crazy, telling them things over and over and over again. Why? Because I want them to realize you're going to need this one day, and I can't stay here forever. This world... It's not our home. 
there's been a major discussions about the critical importance of what we call spiritual formation. What is spiritual formation? According to the Council for Christian Colleges and Universities, it is possible to be a Christ follower and not fully Christ-like. That's what spiritual formation is. If you become a minister in our church, one of the classes we used to teach was called spiritual formation. It teaches you that not only to be a Christ follower, but to be Christ-like, to be able to, this indicates a conscious, this study says, a conscious choice to grow in faith and practice. This comes from study and practice of the word as well as prayer. In other words, this is what spiritual formation is. It is the biblically guided process and which people are being transformed into the likeness of Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit within the faith community in order to love and serve God and others. God is calling us all to spiritual formation. I'm going to read that again. I'm going to read that uh, because that definition is important to the Christian. It is the biblically guided. Everybody said biblically guided. There are a lot of things that you can be guided by. You can be guided by influencers on YouTube. That's why they call them influencers. They're seeking to influence your opinion, to guide you through life, because if they get your heart, they have your life. The Bible says, guard your heart with all diligence, for it determines the course of your what life. What that literally means, translated, is be careful what you, information you let in and out of your heart. Because it will affect your decision. So this is what we want to do. We want to take the positive of that and use a biblically guided process in which people are being transformed into the likeness of Christ. <laughs> to put on Christ, Paul said. By the power of the Holy Spirit, because you cannot do it on your own, <coughs> within the faith community. Now these all could be a sermon unto themselves. <laughs> but I want you to say, within the faith community. See, there are several things you need for spiritual uh, formation. Number one, you need the Bible. <laughs> you can't grow without the Bible. You can't grow if you don't eat, and the Bible is the word of God, and God has called us to eat it. And so we need to make a practice to study the word of God. Number two, we need to have a relationship and invite the Holy Spirit to emanate in us, to us, and through us, and to baptize us, and to change our lives. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. The letter killeth, but the Spirit gives life. You need the power of the Holy Ghost. It's one thing to know Jesus with your head. It's a completely different other thing to know him with your heart. To be empowered by the Holy Ghost, to have the baptism of the Holy Ghost, to give us power for living and to be then transformed into the likeness of Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. I like this part. Everybody said, within the faith community. <laughs> Pastor, you just made us say that before. I know I wanted you to say it again because oftentimes we think we will grow at home. We will grow in our living rooms and on our table by ourselves. And yes, if you were in a desert island, you could grow in Christ. But it is so much easier to grow in Christ when you are around people that are like-minded like you and trying to grow like you are. You can share your struggles. The Bible said that they overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. When you have somebody with a like experience like yours to say, hey, I'm single and I'm saved, but I'm having trouble with my flesh. And you have somebody that says I'm married, but my wife and I will come along with you and we'll help you in those places. Because we've been that place before. Somebody says I'm dealing with drug addiction or I'm dealing with pornography. Or, I'm dealing with lust. I'm dealing with anger. I'm dealing with resentment. And somebody can say I walk this way. And I want to walk this way with you. 
within the faith community. See, what Satan wants to do is get you outside of community. We grow by community. The Bible says it is not good that man be what? Alone. God created community for us, for us to grow up and to nurture one another, for us to pray for one another. The Bible says bear one another's what? Burdens. Community helps us to grow. That's why church membership and church growth is important. The Bible says in Hebrews 10, 25, to forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as some are accustomed to doing. In other words, make sure as often as you can, find yourself in the house of God somewhere. And not church hopping from place to place, but found a community. You need a community. Why? You need to be like, like in Cheers. You need to go to a church where everybody knows your name. <laughs> You're more accountable when everybody knows your name. How you live is a little different. You know why some people hop to larger churches? Nothing wrong with larger churches. I applaud larger, larger churches. We wish to grow. But do you know some people hide in larger churches because nobody knows their and they can say, Mama, I went to church Sunday, but they didn't change in their life. There was no spiritual formation and there was no accountability. You need to be somewhere where people can help you and love you when you're out of line and love you into place. The word works when you use spiritual formation. I want you to know this. Somebody touch your neighbor and say, the word works when it's put to work. Well, he's, all right, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna split that up. The word works when it's put to work. See, just simply knowing the word doesn't help you. You've got to put it to work. You've got to put it to practice. James put it this way. He says, be ye doers of the word and not merely hearers only, deceiving yourselves. I had a conversation with somebody the other day. They said, I'm praying about this. I said, stop praying and start doing. You know what to do. Sometimes we use prayer as an excuse for procrastination. I don't want to do the right thing, Pastor. I got a bad attitude. I'm praying about my attitude. No, you just don't want to change. You can change that any time you get ready. I need prayer to help me control my anger. No, you don't. If you walk up to a 6'7 person, he step on your foot. No matter how angry you are, <laughs> you probably not going to say a word. <laughs> Why? <laughs> because you realize there's a consequence for your action. Sometimes we don't grow because we put ourselves in environments where we can't grow. Pastor, I'm praying that I treat my husband nicer. Well, just imagine yourself without your husband. The best way to, um, imagine your, to appreciate something is to imagine yourself without it. I'm trying to appreciate my wife. We can control a lot of stuff that we don't control. We make excuses because we don't want spiritual formation. Everybody says spiritual formation. Spiritual. We need to grow in Christ. We want to be a Christ follower without being Christ-like. How comical would it be if Liz was still in the first grade? <laughs> Can you stand up, Liz? <laughs> Can you imagine Liz sitting there going crisscross applesauce on, on, on top of uh, on, on the, the nice little, little ladder right there to be able to see those things? And she's saying, teacher, I have a question. And then she's surrounded by five-year-olds. She would look rather different, wouldn't she? Somebody after a while would say, you know what, Liz, I love you, <laughs> but uh, baby, it's, it's time for you to go to a different grade. You can't stay here this long. That's exactly what we look like when we've been married in church for 30 years and we still can't get along with our spouses. We need somebody to pull us along and say, baby, I love you, but you're you 50 and you're acting like you're five. 
You need to spiritually change the way you're doing things. Pastor, how dare you say that? Well, I use Paul. Paul, Paul told, told them, I would give you milk, meat, but you need milk. Well, Paul is saying it's time for you to grow up. Look at your neighbor and say, grow up. If you came to the church to have your ears tickled, you're at the wrong location. This is not the ear tickling location. This is the spiritual formation. A lot of our problems can be solved with two simple words, grow up. Yes. People start whining too much. I said, would you like some cheese with that wine? <laughs> grow up. Why do we need to grow up? Because he said the day of the Lord is at hand. In other words, Jesus is coming back and you do not have time to waste. Every day you live, you are one day closer to the coming of Christ. I know there's a big industry where people make a lot of money talking about when Jesus comes back. I'll give you a hint. Save your money. They have no idea. They go through all these eschatological studies and all those things and telling you this and talk about blood moons and all this and the, the desolation and the abomination, all that just for you to be entertained at the end and say, well, I have no idea. There's somebody that wrote a book that said 81 reasons Jesus is coming back in 1981. <laughs> and when he didn't, they wrote a book that said 82 reasons he's coming back <laughs> in 1982. You don't know when he's coming back, but here's the thing. Every day you live, you're one day closer to his return. That's why he wrote it the way he did. Pastor, I see where you're going with this. And this he said, and do this knowing, Romans 13, 11 through 12, and do this showing love, doing what? We talked about it, showing love to your neighbor, owing no man but to love him. He says, and doing this knowing that the time, that now is high time to awake out of sleep. Somebody said, wake up. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. What is he saying? What salvation? Not the salvation of your soul, but the salvation from this dying creation that Jesus is on his way back for a church without a spot or a wrinkle. God is on his way back. And the question is, will you be ready when he comes? I don't know if they put that power principle up there that says many people are looking, but let's see if they put it up there. It's another one. I, I, I don't think they put that one up there. We'll, we'll get to that one in a second. I want, I'm going to read it out to you. It says this. Many people are looking for transformation. They are filled with information, but they are light on application because they lack dedication. <laughs> I say that again so that will sink in. Many people are looking for transformation. They want change. They fill with information. They've been to life coaches and counselors and psychologists and all sorts of things. They've asked Ayanna to fix their life. They've done all sorts of things. <laughs> but they are light on application because of lack of dedication. Jesus says, why calleth me thy Lord and you don't do anything I say? Chrissy, can I pick on you for a second? No. <laughs> Chrissy, I'm going to tell a story about Chrissy. I don't think she mind because it's part of her testimony. When Chrissy met us, Chrissy needed God in a, in a very bad and, and way. And my wife and I sat down and I said, let me tell you how I operate, Chrissy. As long as I see you trying, I'll walk with you. 
But when I see you stop trying, I'm done. You will not waste my time. And she said, okay. And time passed on, and Chrissy what? She forgot about that. <laughs> and she would say, why aren't you reaching out to me? Why aren't you talking to me? And when I finally talked to her, I said, oh, you forgot our agreement. You decided to do what you wanted to do. So I'm going to let you do it. But when you're ready for Jesus, Jesus is ready for you. In other words, stop playing games with God. Stop coming to church but coming back every week the same old thing because you're using religion as anesthesia and anesthetic to cover up the fact that you don't want to do the hard work to change. That was hard for her to hear, and it was hard for me to deliver because me and Robin have kind of taken Chrissy in as a daughter. It was a hard message to give, and it was a hard conversation. But do you see where Chrissy is sitting? Do you see what God has done in her life? And most of us don't grow because we have nobody in our life to give us the hard conversations and say, it's time for you to grow up. I can't babysit you. I'm mad at the pastor. Why am I, why am I mad at the pastor? Why are you mad at the pastor, Sister Cornflake? I'm mad because the pastor didn't call me this week. How old are you? 75. Grow up. <laughs> I'm mad that I, I was sick and the pastor didn't know. Did you even call the pastor to know? That happens a thousand times. No. <laughs> I'm leaving because the pastor didn't speak to me today. Grow up. Yes. You're not here for me. You're here for him. Yeah. Amen. I might die tomorrow. Please don't let me die tomorrow. <laughs> but if I do, this church has to go on, and it's going to go on not on my shoulders, but it's going to go on by the power of the Holy Spirit on the shoulders of all the people who sit in this audience. Neither one of you are insignificant, and you don't have time to what? Waste. There's somebody getting closer to death, and they're on their way to hell, and they need you to reach out to them. And God has slighted you to reach out to them, but you're playing. <laughs> you're playing games. You're you, you halfway in, and you're halfway out. You're on, you on the field. You want to have the world today, and you want to have God, God tomorrow. You want, you want to have a Bible app today and OnlyFans tomorrow. You want to have, yeah, I said it. You want, you want to have all these other things. <laughs> and God is saying, the time of my departure is hand. It's time for you to get real with me because I have work that I have for you to do. Nobody in this room is here by accident. Each one of you are here by intent and design. Each one of you have a ministry in your belly. Each one of you, you may never stand behind a pulpit, but Jesus only stood behind a synagogue 10% of the time, 90% of the time. He was out in the hills and the highway and the hedges compelling men to come. Yes, we do need to come to church. Yes, we do need to fellowship with the saints, but church doesn't stop at that door. Church begins when you walk out that door. I don't know if you ever noticed it, but look behind you, there's something on the wall that says exit to what? Serve. Action needs to be taken. God is challenging you to both renew your mind and redeem your time. I'm so proud of Chrissy. I'm so proud of all of our, our young people that are coming to God and they're walking and, and, and your struggles. I'm so proud to be able to walk alongside you and help you because I'm giving you what I wish somebody would have had for me because I had a bunch of religious people around me and they wouldn't be honest that they had faults and failures. So I had to struggle by myself. 
I had to come up in the church and hide things because I thought that something was wrong with me and I was the only one going through it when the truth of the matter is they were all going through it but they were trying to keep up appearances for everybody else and nobody would be honest enough to come up and say yeah there's nothing wrong with you we live in sinful bodies and you don't have to struggle by yourself You don't have to deal with sadness alone. You don't have to deal with anger and anxiety alone. You don't have to deal with lust alone. You have a community that God has put around you that you can lean on them and you can pray with them and you can grow with them. That's what God is calling you to do. We have somebody of every every genre at this church, for lack of a better word. We have people in the 80s and the 70s. That's two and that's 14 and 15. We got young adults. We got black, white, Hispanic. Uh, Jamaican, we've got Puerto Rican, we got somebody, everybody, Iraqi, it doesn't matter where you go, you have no excuse, black, white, hillbilly, ghetto, all of us all in this one church, and you have somebody here that you can grow with. Amen. Never broken the traffic law in your life. There's somebody here for you. Happy that you didn't get 15 in life. There's somebody here for you. That's why I love serving this church. Because it's a beautiful place where anybody can find somebody going through what they're going through. Whether you're blue collar, white collar, or no collar, God has called us all to come together in, the, in, in faith and to be transformed. We are transformed. Paul says, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. But we stop there. And that's what, not where we need to stop because there's another part to that, that part. And I want you to pull up that power principle now. It's on the screen now. And it says this. Go back one more. It says, we are transformed. What does it say? We are transformed by the renewing of our minds and are validated by proof. That's all I want you to see. We're transformed by the renewing of our minds, but we're validated by proof. In other words, you can say, Pastor, I'm doing better and I'm being faithful to God. But if you hear every other Sunday, I don't see it. Pastor, I'm trusting God that he's going to make me a generous giver, but you haven't started your budget yet to get your finances in order. Pastor, I'm trusting God that he's going to free me from lust, but if I picked up your phone, what apps would I find? We're validated by proof. How do you know that? That's what Romans 12 and 1 says. It says, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. That next part said, that ye may prove what is that good and perfect an acceptable will of God that you may demonstrate it. The proof is in the pudding. Pastor, I want to do better. Or do you really want to do better? Bible studies on, on Wednesdays. Pastor, I want better finances. Your pastor's works in finance. I can help you, and it doesn't cost you anything. I do it for free. When you want help, you can get help. The help that other people have to pay for, you get it for free. <laughs> Pastor, I, I, I want better relationships. We can get you the resources you need, but you have to be committed and dedicated to growing. 
Paul says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove or demonstrate what is that good and perfect and acceptable will of God. Why do we have to prove it? Why do I have to prove anything to anybody? Because the Bible says, let your light so shine that men may see your good works and glorify the what? Father. That's why you need to prove it. Because there's somebody watching you. Paul Barker used to have this, this phrase. I'm dating myself when I was a kid. He said, I am not a role model. <laughs> Truth of the matter is, everybody's a role model. Because whether you know it or not, somebody's watching you. Rodney and Jamie, y'all a married couple. I guarantee you there's some married couples that are watching you. Chrissy, you single. I guarantee you there's some single people that are they're watching you. I'm so proud of these two. I don't know what to do. You're getting your life back on track. Yes. Some people had every trip against them. Some people had everything with them, and they didn't have to start back from nothing, and they still ain't going. And here you are having to start from nothing. Already got cars, already got jobs. Staying close to Christ, beating everybody to the church. Somebody's watching you. Yeah. They're watching to see how passionate somebody is who had everything taken away from them. And they got to start their life back over. But they won't give up on God. Amen. 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 And that they're faithful to him. You know what? I'll be honest. I want to talk to you guys for a second. Because most times I've, I've done all sorts of ministry from, from things like that. And, but here's the thing. Most people, they love God until they can get a car. <laughs> they need a ride. <laughs> To church. They're the most faithful people when they need a ride to church. But as soon as they get a car, you don't see them no more. I was wondering what we were going to do because Victor had to go someplace and Terry got a car. And the first place, even though I was out of town, the first place Terry bought that car was the church. <laughs> then I turned around the other day and, and Willis, Willis said, I'm, I'm gone. And I asked Terry, I said, is he going with you? He said, no, he got a car of his own. And they both, they don't have to, and they're doing it on their own. And that's somebody, everybody in the church, that's an example of how you follow Christ no matter where you've been, no matter what mistakes you made. Jesus loves you, and you can start from the ground. I don't care if you tow up from the flow up. I don't care if you at rock bottom. God made the rock, and I will tell you that he that began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. Oh, God's got a miracle waiting on you. Not because you said it, but every Sunday you prove it. Yes. As a pastor, I'm going to say this and don't take this the wrong way. A lot of people text me to know if they're going, they not coming to church. You would do better and save me time if you just text me when you were going to show up because you less hear less than you when you're not. If you can't say amen, say. I don't ever have to wonder if they're showing up. Could it be that we're too comfortable and we've forgotten that the day of our approaching is at hand? 
we've lost the urgency. Oh, Lord, don't let God have to take stuff from us before we get serious. Don't let God have to put us at rock bottom. James told us to be doers and not hearers. Every day that passes, every moment that fades into time gets us one step closer to seeing Jesus crack the sky. Oh, Jesus. Paul is letting us know in chapter 14, he, when he starts talking about dealing with people who have all sorts of issues, stop arguing over meat and stop arguing over Bible translation. Stop arguing over pre-trib and post-trib and mid-trib. He says, stop doing that. If meat offends your brother, just don't eat meat in front of him. Don't, don't do things that offend people if that Christian walk is not there. Why? Because the day is close at hand and we don't have time to be dividing over silly stuff. We need to get together as one corporate group. Oh God, I wish we could see the Day when there weren't three churches right here next together, but we could all get together and worship God together and help this city together because we have one Lord and one faith and one baptism and one God who is above all, in all, and through all. There is no Lutheran church. There is no encounter church. There is just the church of Jesus Christ. Amen. We were walking for prayer. We stopped in front of a church to pray. Why? Because they're not our competition. They're our partners. Their service may look a little different from ours, but they believe the same things we believe. Why do I want them to be successful? Because I can't reach everybody and we can't reach everybody. And the day of our departure is soon at hand. Yes. I'm almost finished. Romans 14, 8, 1 through 13, 8 through 13. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and rose and lived again, that he might be the Lord of both. Come on, turn, huh? And pray, sing, to the end, to the dead, and the living. But why do you judge your brother? Why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me. Amen. And every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us shall give account to God for himself. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this, not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in our brother's way. In other words, you need to be putting all of your focus at the body of Christ, not on division, but on unity. Why? Because I all have only just one minute. One with 60 Seconds in it. Didn't seek it. I didn't choose it. But it's up to me to use it. I must suffer if I lose it. And when Jesus returns, this is my version, I must give account if I abuse it. Did you reach the loss? 
that you teach the found, that you try to change the world, just a tiny little minute. But eternity is it. Every decision you make in life has eternal consequences. Jesus says even the idle words that we speak will have to give an account of on the day of judgment. I don't know about you, but that makes me a little nervous. I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm glad that we're saved by grace through faith. But imagine if he was listening on some of the conversations we even had on the way to church. How do we use our minutes? If you have somebody in your family that doesn't know Jesus, how have you used your minutes? If you have somebody you know, if they died right now, heaven wouldn't be their home. How have you used your minutes? You have only but a minute for the day of the Lord is soon at hand. So we need you to let your light shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. Oh, this little light of mine, you know, I'm gonna let it shine. Oh, this little light of mine, you know, I'm gonna let it shine. Oh, let it shine, let it shine. The altar is open. You know, I'm gonna let it shine. Who's ready to let that shine?